Well, that's what we're doing. We're opening up the airwaves and uh, bringing in some members from the community. I'm Steve DiCostanzo, general manager here at uh, WPK, and we're nonprofit uh, community radio uh, into our 60th year. Wow, just incredible. Uh, it's still hard to believe, but I wanted to welcome all of you to the uh, GM Report to the listeners, a show I do once a month, uh, the third Monday of every month, and uh, this is February 2023. And I just wanted to go through uh, briefly uh, to talk a bit about uh, uh, some of the guests that we have. It's, uh, I guess, in, in some respects, the, the guests are all uh, seem to be somewhat aligned uh, with the Black History Month. Uh, it was not exactly the the um, concept, but uh, it, I'm glad it did work out that way. Uh, we have a couple of guests coming in, and uh, Pierre de Haiti is going to be with us. He's the founder of uh, Haitian Awareness Inc. He's a civic leader, uh, immigration advocate, and uh, currently the assistant academic affairs community engagement uh, advisor at uh, Housatonic Community College. Um, my other guest is Carolyn Vermont. And she is the CEO of Habitat for Humanity of coastal Fairfield County. And my final guest is going to be Sheena Graham, who is an educator, and she's also a part of our WPKN Black History Advisory Committee. And she is going to do a reading uh, from some of the works that she has put together. She's also a poet and she's a writer. So uh, that's going to be a very, very specific to Black History Month. Now, I wanted to say a couple of words about uh, some things that are coming up uh, as we've had a few events for Black History Month that we have our closer coming up. Our closing event is, is, is a really important event for WPK and it's probably the the heaviest lift we've ever done before in terms of getting a uh, cultural icon to come and do something for the station. I'm talking about the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the modern dance company, Bill T. Jones, Arnie Zane Dance Company. Uh, at the, the the top of the top of the pantheon with um, other dance companies like Alvin Ailey and Mark Morris. But uh, we have Bill T. Jones, Arnie Zane Company, coming to the Fairfield University Quick Center for the Arts this Saturday. And it is uh, really going to be a special event. We have uh, some, uh, we had some very nice help from Koskoff, Koskoff and Beater uh, to help support this event and also Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and MOCA uh, Westport, the Museum of Contempor Contemporary Art. We're going to have a VIP event that starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, some of the um, different uh, venues that are helping us for that is Miss Thelma's Soul Food Restaurant right here in Bridgeport, also Little Pub Restaurant, and we'll have some beverages courtesy of Mianetto and even some chocolate from Bridgewater Chocolate. <clears throat> so uh, you... Might be able to get uh, some tickets. I think we do have tickets uh, remaining. Um, but the best thing to do is go to the box office at um, Sacred Heart at the Quick Center. They do staff. Uh, they staff that uh, with a phone. And also you can go online to uh, uh, quick, the quickcenter.org. So uh, that, again, is going to be this Saturday, February 25th. VIP starts at 6 o'clock, and the performance itself is at 7.30 p.m. Uh, the other event that's coming up this week is 
something that is called Giving Day on Thursday. This is specifically organized by Fairfield County Community Foundation. It's called the Fairfield County's Giving Day. It's um, it's a, a, a 24-hour period to galvanize uh, philanthropic activities, basically to look at all the different nonprofits who are in Fairfield County that are actually involved in this giving day and give back if you can. So uh, WPCAN will be participating, and I'm pretty sure that uh, also Habitat for Humanity, when when uh, they come up, I will ask uh, Carolyn Vermont about that as well. Okay, so let's uh, switch gears and go into our first guest. Uh, really happy to have uh, Pierre Tahiti. Uh, here in the studio. And uh, so Pierre, as um, uh, I mentioned that he was with a Housatonic uh, Community College, Assistant Academic Affairs uh, Officer, and he is um, uh, organizing an immigration forum that we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, he has done a lot of civic things. You know, I, I, I think it's quite remarkable that how much he's given back. He's been on the board of directors of the International Institute of Connecticut. He was uh, involved with the Greater Bridgeport Regional Planning Agency and the Planning and Zoning Commission. And he's also an author with a book called Left in the Garden. And so uh, I'm going to uh, welcome uh, Pierre to uh, WPKN. I think uh, welcome to the, the new studios, right? Yes. Uh, thank you, Steve. I, uh, you you were at UB maybe uh, one yeah point? When, yes I was at, last time I was with WBKN was when you were at UB yeah okay. it's uh, a little a, different a, a big huge <laughs> difference huge <laughs> different I want to thank you and uh, WBKN for inviting me in to come to uh, talk about our, our project a program coming up on uh, Thursday March thirtieth from twelve p.m. to two p.m. At Hussatani Community College, the uh, Beacon Hall Event Center. Mm, and that's going to be in, in March, right? That, that March is in March, 30th. March 30th, yes. And that is, uh, uh, it's, a, a, it's called Immigration Forum, the Impact on Foreign Students, yes. uh, of which, you know, obviously Hussatonic has a fair number yes. of, uh, of international students. Yes. Um, this, the topic of immigration, uh, obviously, is is. It's it's personal with you. It's a absolutely yeah. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your uh, your story, your you know immigration story, which I'm guessing you know you have one. You oh, know? absolutely. I, I, if uh, if I could go back uh, a bit sure. with, uh, with the book Left in the Garden, yeah, about a little boy uh, whose father was uh, uh, planned to come to America uh, through a contract with the, uh, uh, the Ford Motor Company, and he was a wealthy mechanic at that time during the uh, 60s. And so uh, because he refused to participate in some of the things that they were doing, the day before he was to come to America, he was murdered. Mm. And the next day, his driver I'm dropped sorry, by his, his house, yeah, to pick him up. And uh, uh, my mo- well, the little boy's mother was me. Yeah. Uh, 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 my mother was in the garden picking up leaves to prepare tea for her husband. And the little boy was with her. No underwear, no diaper. He was only three years old. When she got the news that uh, her husband is at the morgue, she needs to come down to Port-au-Prince at the General Hospital to investigate, to to identify uh, uh, the body. And she went berserk. She went crazy from there. And so little boy was left in the, uh, was left in the garden 
until three hours later he was found. But uh, later on, we were put sort of like um, uh, in, in, uh, inside the walls to, mm. to be protected. Right. And finally, we come to America. Coming to America was not an easy one. Were you solo or were you... Were, no. Uh, my, everything that my father had prepared for was sort of like taken away when he was murdered. Mm. So it's like starting over. My mother had to uh, go into exile, come to America. She ended up in Chicago, in Evanston, to be exact. Yeah. And then um, she brought us back in here to America, mm. the prejudice, all the stuff that was going on. We, we faced it. Right. We saw it. Did you settle uh, in Bridgeport? Or no, in we settled in Stanford. Or? We settled in Stanford, Stanford. Connecticut yeah. when we first arrived. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, it was not easy. Yeah. It was not easy. Right. And so uh, uh, not not able to speak English mm -hmm. and have to uh, assimilate into the system. And that uh, it was, it was I, I, I faced some of the challenges. I saw right. some of the challenges that right. uh, the current immigrants are dealing with right, right now. Right. Well, that's, that's going to maybe lead, lead me to another question because this mm -hmm. idea that, um, you know, people, people have uh, all kinds of misperceptions perceptions of yes and misconceptions yes. Of, of of you know what is a refugee right what is an immigrant well, and so maybe mm -hmm. talk a little bit about you know what 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 are i mean what makes an immigrant yeah okay yeah. well basically uh, an immigrant is someone who immigrated from a country to another country and settled into the new country the person immigrated mm -hmm. to that country. So he or she becomes an immigrant. Okay. Right. And so as a refugee, that person is one who's, who's seeking asylum, mm -hmm. seeking refuge. And that country that opens the door become the, uh, 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 the port, yeah. uh, become the, uh, the location where that person can find a new life. And so that person becomes a refugee. Right. Unfortunately, our immigration policy from 1790, it changes over time. At a time, it used to be focusing on the northern European and uh, uh, southern European entry to America. Right. Then we switched from eastern to western uh, Europe. And then it switched uh, down to uh, Latin America and uh, South American coming. Then now you have the Caribbeans coming in, some mm -hmm. coming in by boats. Right. Just recently, Cuba I, has been uh, uh, yes. you know, incredible. Yes, more than the the, the the you know the big yes big event that happened. I think in the eighties. Yes, know? we had a, a recent event that happened uh, not even three years ago uh, on the border of Mexico. Folks traveling, yeah. walking, walking. By the way, right. from Chile to uh, the border of Mexico, trying to make it through America, even though the last. Uh, 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 the previous administration tried to build a wall, mm, right. <laughs> but they cannot build a wall, a wall on the river. The people still uh, 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 travel through the river, risking their lives to get to America. So whether you build a wall, whether you uh, make a huge dam to separate that, people will try to make mm. a way to America right. because America is a safe haven, supposed right. to be a safe haven. Right. And, and what would you like to what would you like to tell our listeners that about the um, you know. What should our listeners know about 
immigrants that oh. that you know the maybe you know the real story because there's so much false falsehood yes and, yes absolutely yeah. uh teachers your students if you listen the teachers students they're from different uh, diverse uh, backgrounds they're from different uh, countries your hospital workers your college professors high school teachers elementary uh, teachers we all have some type of international or other country background that we're connected with. Our neighbors, they're from, they are connected to someone from another country. Your bus drivers, your taxi drivers, uh, anyone that you come in contact with, statistics tells you that uh, that person may be aware or may have connection to a minimum five people from another country. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we do have some type of relationship with someone from another country. You go to the liquor store, you go to the grocery store, you go to the supermarket, you are in contact with someone from another country, someone that does not uh, uh, speak English, someone that does not, uh, someone who basically speaks uh, 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 is from another culture. Mm-hmm. You find that in your neighborhood, everywhere you go, in a basketball court, in a baseball uh, field, you find that. Right. And yeah. so now the most important that you need to understand immigrants they are an economic contributors to our system here the small businesses that are growing in this country in the backs of immigrants from all from all walks and if you look at in any industries the role that immigrants play in any industry engineering medical the health education they are in there i recently met a young lady she came in the boat to America back in uh, in the late 90s. Mm. She comes to America by boat. Today she's a lawyer, yeah. immigration lawyer mm. in Miami. Mm-hmm. This is what America can do. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I think that was beautifully said. Uh, and, and I think that... Uh, uh, I, I hope that uh, this immigration forum is uh, is well attended. Now, is it it's for the community at large, or is well, it, it just for students? It started for the students. Yeah, but uh, I was I was uh, volunteering at the men's center at Houston Community College, mm-hmm. and so uh, I saw the need, the retention rate among immigrant students throughout our colleges and universities in the state, and I look at the. The, my current position here at Housatonic Community College, mm-hmm. and see, wow, there's an issue with retention rate with regard to immigrants. And I saw they, uh, the enrollment is high, and graduation for immigrants is, is very low. Right. There is an issue. And so I brought it to, uh, 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 to my boss and <laughs> brought it to Dr. Smith, a great man, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, I love his concept of the, uh, the power of education through uh, 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 transformative power of education. Mm-hmm. I love his concept of that. Um, uh, but uh, when we talk about it, he says, well, Pierre, look, do what you do. Yeah, no, I think that's great. <laughs> and so that bringing this concept, what we're doing, we're bringing folks from uh, the legislative, U.S. Le- uh, legislators coming in, and uh, we have the CSCU representative. Uh, by the way, I am on the Committee for Refugee uh, Initiative 
for the CSC of Connecticut State College and University. Yeah. And so uh, they're coming in to address the issues, the policies that affect. In addition, talking about the, the, the mission and vision of the college mm-hmm. for these immigrant students. Now, in addition, we will have immigration attorneys. Many of them will be at hand for folks to discuss, to ask questions. Fantastic. I tell people, yeah. bring your questions, come in. Do not go in hiding. This is the time for you to come forward and ask the question. Hushitanik is, is has become a safe haven, has become a place where you can find yourself as an immigrant. The resources will be there. We're collaborating with local agencies to assist you in whatever the immigration issues that you're going through. The attorneys will be there. And so... I, I, I hope that folks will just come in a large number. Good. Well, I, I think that uh, it, it sounds like a, a, a really a very uh, comprehensive event. Again, it's uh, uh, Thursday, March 30th. It's from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Yes. That's at uh, Beacon Hall, uh, the event center at uh, Housatonic Community College right here in Bridgeport. And... Uh, I, I really thank you uh, a lot, Pierre, for coming in. Pierre DeHaiti, who's uh, been with us. And we're going to cut this as a podcast, so you can also uh, use it in other, in other ways. Awesome. Uh, okay? awesome. So yes. uh, thanks, awesome. thanks again for coming in. And uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, Most uh, appreciative of this. Uh, play a little track, and uh, we'll be uh, right back with uh, our next guest. Thanks again, Pierre. Awesome. Okay. Thank yeah. you, Steve. Okay, back we are on the GM uh, report to the listeners, and uh, I'm happy to have uh, my uh, next guest here, uh, Carolyn Vermont. And, uh, you know, I was um, looking, I, I've, I've, I've known Carolyn for a number of years, and uh, I see her at uh, so many events. And now I know why, because I did a little bit of uh, uh, investigating, and I, you have, you are an individual who has given back to so many communities. It, it is really remarkable. I mean, looking at at your your background, uh, I see that you were involved with the Urban Family Development Group for twenty one years, uh, president of the Bridgeport NAACP. For six years, you sat on boards like uh, Connecticut Against Gun Violence for eight years, St. Vincent's Hospital for five years, Board of Trustees of Fairfield University for six years. So, I mean, we're not just talking about one community. It's communities, you know, in plural. And and I really commend you on that. And that's uh, you're the kind of person that we love to bring into WPCAN because we are a community radio station that we have also a lot of communities that we serve. And uh, it, it, it gives me a real pleasure to uh, introduce you as the new CEO, relatively new CEO of uh, Habitat uh, for Humanity for uh, Coastal Fairfield County. And uh, welcome to WPKN. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, um, I've had a chance, I think I had a chance maybe about eight eight years ago or so, um, I, uh, I brought your current development director in, I think, and, and maybe a predecessor. We talked a little bit about uh, um, Habitat for Humanity because it's obviously, it's, uh, it's a very, uh, you know, meaningful nonprofit. It's a very large nonprofit. And so I thought it would be a good time for us to come back and revisit now that you are 
uh, the CEO, and talk a little bit about um, you know the mission of what you are doing as an organization. And of course, it's against this backdrop of uh, you know the first thing I thought about over the weekend is when I heard that uh, Jimmy Carter had decided to you know, stop uh, any medications and he's been hospice. And I, I thought to myself that, well, it's ironic because I know that I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that Habitat for Humanity was one of his charities that he really spent a lot of time on. I, mean, I could be wrong. but No, I, no, uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and as the Habitat family, we continue to lift President Carter up in prayer. So it was back in 1976 where... Uh, President Carter started the uh, Jimmy and Rosalind work project. And so they really dedicated their time, mm, wow. their talent, yeah. their treasure to Habitat. Yeah, And with him just being such an icon, he was able to attract a lot of people to get involved with Habitat, with our build sites, to make um, contributions for the good of the organization. Mm-hmm. So usually as soon as you say Habitat, people associated with yeah, Jimmy Carter. Right. As a matter of fact, some people think he was the founder, hmm. but it was actually uh, Millard and Linda Fuller who were the founders. Yeah. Where did it start? What what uh, what city or what, what state? Uh, so Habitat, um, actually, I just misspoke. It was 1984 that the hmm. Carters got involved. Okay. But Habitat um, started in 1979 in America's Georgia. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was uh, obviously his home state. So, yes, yeah. yes, okay. yes, yes. So coming back to uh, Connecticut, uh, you know, talk about some of the projects uh, that you've been involved with and, and some of the challenges perhaps, I mean, with uh, all the raw materials that have probably become much more expensive in terms of building these houses, but talk about, you know, the genesis, like what, what, what is the, what do you guys do in terms of, cause I think a lot of people, they know that you somehow build houses, but probably don't know all the different, uh, you know, some of the background. Yes. Yeah. So we build homes, affordable homes for low income working families. Mm-hmm. Most recently we dedicated our 279th home since we started back in 1985. Wow. That's good. And the way the process goes, we take applications. As a matter of fact, just this past Saturday, we were at the Bridgeport Library downtown uh, where we presented a workshop for over 100 interesting um, folks that you know wanted to learn more about Habitat. And so from that, we'll accept their applications if they qualify and qualify, meaning that uh, we look at their living conditions right now, you know, if they're living in substandard housing, if they're living in a apartment where there's overcrowding because mm-hmm. you're hearing so many families now moving in with other families. So once we go through that process and we have a family selection committee that goes out and interview the families. And so once we accept them in the home ownership program, it takes about a year before they get a home. Uh, they have to go through a year of workshops Um, budgeting, financial literacy, conflict resolution, how to be a good neighbor, and Mm. many other workshops. And they also have to put in what's called sweat equity hours. They have Mm. to help build their homes. And so a family may need to put in 200 sweat Mm. equity hours, and they don't have to do it by themselves. 
they can invite family yeah, and friends. Yeah, that's like a wonder, wonderful concept, though, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Everybody to help out. working together. Like yes, that, you know. and so once, um, you know, they put in their hours and go through all their workshops, then uh, we usually have a hot mm, house, yeah. you know, three or four right. brand new yeah, uh, bedroom home uh, for them to move into. Now, how do you how do you fund all the activities? I mean, what, you know, in terms of, uh, I know that I, I think you're coming up on Thursday. You're going to be part of the Giving Day. I I, I was saying earlier that uh, as a nonprofit, I think you're probably uh, certainly looking forward to some uh, uh, some movements there, some donations. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, do you have a lot of in kind stuff? A lot of in kind kind of uh, construction type of uh, of donations and. Um, Abs- yes, yeah. we do. So we are looking forward to Thursday. You know, Fairfield County Community Foundation. I believe it's their last given day yeah. that they're having their final one. Oh, they're not going to do it again. From what I understand, oh, no, this wow. will be the okay. last one. Um, that's that's surprising. Yes, yes. I think you know hmm. they do have a new president CEO now, yeah, and so right. um, I think they're making some changes, and we'll be doing uh, some things differently. Oh, okay, but all to benefit. Yeah. You know, the community also. Mm -hmm. Um, So you talk about materials. Since COVID started, the price of materials have uh, increased. Uh, There was a time where it was hard to get materials. So now we can still get the material that we need. Um, But the prices are still much higher than they used to be. And um, Do you have central buying? Like, for example, how many... Uh, how many related habitats are there in the in the U.S.? Uh, there must so in the U.S. Yeah. there's approximately um, one thousand okay. habitats. Yeah. So I was recently in uh, D.C. for Habitat on the Hill mm. opportunity to meet with the lawmakers wow. there. Yeah, so we had um, habitats from the United States. Uh, we had Hawaii there. Um, Puerto Rico, which you know, all part of the United States, mm-hmm. but it was just wonderful to have so many um, habitats. We call them affiliates yeah. instead of, you know, habitat organizations. Sure. It was just wonderful Nothing to like, have you so know, many. you get all the best practices and what's working and other ideas for fundraising and, and uh, other, you know, just ways of doing, doing other businesses, you know, where you can all get together. Uh, with a, with a common common focus and yeah that must be quite a quite an event absolutely is it a yearly event then always it in is DC? yearly yeah. Habitat on the Hill yeah. uh, last two years it was virtual yeah, due to COVID right. so it was great to yeah. come back together um, so I had a chance to sit down you know go to the offices of um, Senator Murphy Senator Blumenthal Congressman yeah. Himes We're so uh, lucky to have such good oh, yes. folks too down in DC yes. right And fortunately um, even you know going to their offices meeting with their staff about our needs in DC yes we're mm. fortunate yeah. to have a great relationship with them right here Now you have a gala coming up we I would, do. So I guess that comes back to some funding and especially local funding. Uh, what uh, what do you usually end up doing? I see something about April Fool's Masquerade Ball. Now that sounds interesting. Yes. So April 1st, yeah. um, it will be at the Woodway Country Club in Darien mm-hmm. from uh, 630 to 11 o'clock. And um, it's April 1st. So I figure... What a great day for, yeah, for a masquerade right. ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking of, uh, 
what's going on, you know, around the world now with uh, Mardi Gras. So uh, exactly, you know, it's, uh, yes, kind of uh, yes. appropriate. Yes, uh, we have two major fundraisers per year: our annual gala mm-hmm. and then our golf tournament. Okay, so that obviously is in the summer. Uh, what's a good way for our listeners uh, to? Uh, find out about Habitat for Humanity of Coastal Fairfield County. Not only, not only just uh, about the uh, the gala coming up in in uh, on April Fool's Day, but also just in general. You know, if they want to try to get involved in some capacity or make a donation, or uh, yeah, what would be the sure yeah. um, habitatcfc.org. Okay. Again, HabitatCFC.org. And we're always, always looking for volunteers. I we, bet, yeah. We cannot do the work that we do right. without volunteers. What are some of the real big needs for volunteers? Are there any particular trades that, uh, you know, obviously carpenters would be in high demand, I would think, but electricians and uh, and, and other types of, I don't know, IT people that uh, have to get involved as well? And so there's a volunteer opportunity for everyone. Yeah. We have um, heard of uh, people that say, you know what, I don't know anything about carpentry. And we're like, that's okay. We have um, our construction department. They mm. will teach you. It may be a day of just painting uh, panels, um, but people come in with no experience, uh, but our staff teach them. And um, and if somebody does have experience in construction, that's even better. Yeah. But we'll, we'll accept all volunteers. Good. Well, we've been talking with uh, Carolyn Vermont, who's the CEO of uh, Habitat for Humanity. And uh, thank you so much for coming in. And we'll be uh, what I'd like to have you do at some point is we'll have you come back and do an evergreen, uh, a, a what we call an evergreen PSA, something that just talks about, uh, in, you know, we can put in rotation. There's no date specific thing. We can certainly talk a little bit about the gala as well. Uh, but once the gala is finished, something that uh, we'll also be able to use in rotation with all the other nonprofits that we like to do pro bono PSAs with so oh, uh, and you love we'd that. love to have you voice that that usually is how it works so. yeah we would love that thank you Great. so much thank- for that offer yes you have it. we're going to play a little track and come right back with our final guest oh. thanks again Carolyn you're welcome I'm Steve DiCostanzo. I'm the general manager of WPKN and this is my monthly show called the GM report to the listeners and I'm really happy to have um, a very special friend of uh, WPKN. Her name is Sheena Graham, and she is an educator. She's a songwriter. She's a poet. And she's also a member of our WPKN Black History Advisory Group. Uh, she has a long stretch. Of, te- of teaching, <laughs> of teaching here in Bridgeport. And uh, she was uh, at Harding High School, Central High School. Uh, she worked with all kinds of students. And, well, she was uh, actually celebrated as uh, not just a, a regular teacher, but a teacher of the year in 2019, Connecticut Teacher of the Year. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's quite a, a special award. Now she also has been featured in the book that she might have with her. Is that, a, or is that a different book? This is a different book. Different book, okay. But she has, uh, she's been featured in the book Notable Valley African Americans, and she has received the Beard Excellence in Teaching Award, T 
Teacher of the Year awards from NAACP uh, and Bridgeport, and as I mentioned, uh, at the state level, uh, Connecticut Teacher of the Year. She also was um, going to be in an event that uh, was called Rhythm of Power that was part of our Black History uh, events that we had put together with a group called the, uh, the Bridgeport group called Gang Poetry. And what we've decided to do with that is we're moving that to Juneteenth for a variety of reasons. But I think that uh, that's going to be exciting, and I'm really looking forward to to uh, Rhythm of Power uh, during the Juneteenth celebration because, uh, you know, Black History Month is... We, we don't have to just keep it in one month. It's For us, it's year-round, but uh, right. obviously we have some special dates, and Juneteenth is going to be uh, one of those that we can have uh, a really good event. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, I, I, I wanted to, you know, we were talking before offline uh, about some events that you have coming up. I mean, maybe we can start with the first event because you do poetry readings, right? And you also do uh, some, uh, you know, I would say like kind of not really performance pieces, but maybe they are. Uh, and you would do some, some, you know, reading in general at different locations. So uh, you have something coming up soon, right? Uh, right. This, um, this Saturday, maybe. Well, yeah. this first, well, this Thursday, I'll actually be over at Housatonic. There's an exhibit there, um, and it's the portrait project, um, which I was one of the people in one of the portraits. So um, this coming week on Wednesday, I'm sorry, on Thursday, um, I will be there speaking to a group of high school students that are coming in to look at both exhibits that are there at Housatonic. So Mm. that's going to be interesting. I'll give a little background of um, what it was like to be part of the project as well as who I am and how I became connected to Bridgeport. That sounds great. It's going to be yeah. awesome. <laughs> I saw those photos. In fact, the uh, the photographers were in here last Friday. Oh, yeah, they're, wonderful, they're, they're, Jay and Geraldine. They're quite quite uh, spectacularly taken. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that. And then on Saturday evening, I'll be at the Riverview in Stratford for the 13th annual um, Black History Poetry Spoken Word Celebration. Mm, nice. Which is kind of what we're doing. Uh, an excerpt of then, I guess maybe today. Uh, we we were talking about uh, reading uh, reading from whatever moved you uh, as part of our Black History celebration of uh, you know some of our programmers are doing special content and I just thought this would be a, a quite a nice way to have uh, them uh, our listeners hear a little bit more about uh, you. Uh, and uh, some of the projects that that, uh, you were working on. So here is Sheena Graham, and uh, maybe you can set up what you wanted to read, and uh, we're just going to let you go. Sure. Uh, What I'm reading from today is actually a book called Hesitations. That is my first book. And um, the reason it has the title Hesitations is because my father as a young boy had been sent to run for the doctor. And when he got to the door... He froze. He had always been taught that a black boy doesn't just run up to a white man's door. And so it took him a while to get the courage to knock. And rather than tell you the end of that story, I'm going to read it. This is called Daddy's Run. Boo, come quick, yelled a voice in the night. Boo, can't you hear me? 
My heart filled with fright. I can't tell you the thoughts that raced through my mind. Boy, run for the doctor, was all Dad said. I barely heard his voice faint in my head. I looked around the room that I'd rarely been in. The things that I saw made my head more than spin. There were two huge shadows, one human, one blob. As I stood in the doorway, my stomach tied in knots. Old gray buckets from the well sat on the floor. Filled with steaming water, I didn't want to see more. A voice deep inside said, you have to look. I forced my eyes open, and oh, the look that I took. Dad had an old tattered cloth he was wringing in his hand. The blood that dripped from it made me understand that my childhood had left me when I stepped inside my parents' bedroom on that warm summer night. Mama, my mama was soaked in her sweat. Her body shivered si silently as she laid on their bed. Pulled way up, her gown rested high on her thighs. Then she saw me. I looked in her eyes. Her mouth opened slowly. I heard her lips part. No other sound in the room except the beating of my heart. Her head turned away. Something came over me from my head to my body, crawled over my feet. First it was warmth that flowed down my back. That warm, cuddly feeling like after a bath, it caressed my body, went through to my soul. Then quickly it was gone. I felt ice cold. Boy, run for the doctor, my daddy cried. I didn't like what I saw when I looked in his eyes. Something was not right, his eyes full of fear. On the brim of his eyelids, I thought I saw tears. Boo, go now, was the last thing I heard as I turned to leave without uttering a word. With all that had happened, only seconds had passed. My feet glided quickly over brown, spotty grass. My feet are so tired, Lord knows I can't stop. There it is, I can see it. There's the doctor's house. Thank you, Jesus, I made it. Whew. Thank you, Lord, but I, I just can't knock on a white man's door. Daddy told me never, Mama told me too. I'm cold and scared, don't know what to do. Boo, Boo wrestled with himself till his hand touched the door, knocked gently, then harder as he prayed, Help me, Lord. The doctor grabbed his bag, no pause, and his step together in the dark, they made their way back, just in time to see a sheet pulled over Mama's head. Boo sank to the floor. His mom was dead. That boy grew up to be a daddy, matured into a man who spent his whole life wondering, trying to understand if his hesitation cost his mama her life. That man was my father. Annie Mae was his wife. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Mm. It wasn't until um, my father was actually ill and was on his deathbed, and I'd gone to visit him. And as he talked, I realized that the way he thought of his hesitation was how I was actually living my life. Hmm. So you had the same, some of the same traits. Then. Some of the yeah. same traits. And hmm. so the book Hesitation explores that. Hmm. You know, in life, we hesitate for many different reasons. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're hesitant to trust, to love, to feel to believe, 
even in my case, to breathe at some points. Mm. And so Hesitations is a book that explores that either through reflections or poems. Mm. A cathartic book, no no doubt. And and it looks like it's a fairly good-sized book with multiple chapters. Yes. Multiple hesitation stories. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. You know, I don't think it's something we um, spend a lot of time thinking Mm -hmm. about, but I think it's something everybody can relate to. Yeah, sure. You know? Do you have another one you'd like to read? Oh, sure. Yeah, I would love that. Again, uh, this is uh, Sheena Graham from Bridgeport and uh, so many different uh, accolades that she has won. And uh, But I think she is now spending a lot more time probably writing and <laughs> speaking, right? Which is uh, after a whole career of teaching. And I'm sure uh, you have many students that uh, would probably call you one of their favorites. No, no doubt, so... Well, I've enjoyed them as well. Yeah. And and I think um, as an educator, one of the best parts of that job is you are constantly learning as you're teaching. Mm-hmm. So you're receiving while you're giving. So I learned so much from the young people I've worked with. And that goes all the way back to the yeah. little guys in kindergarten as well when, as the high school what students. What was your first year? Of, oh, of yeah, just just to get you know first and last year because it's a long career, right? Right. Yeah. My first year was 1983. Wow. Nice. Yes, and I came in in the middle of a school year. Um, I was, was it here in Bridgeport. It or was in else? Bridgeport. Yeah. I was actually at Blackham okay. Middle School and McKinley. McKinley no longer exists. Um, now that's Jetty Tisdale. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. You know you've been around a long time when there's like four or five schools in my my uh, history that no longer right, exist. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's always a little bittersweet, right? Yes, uh, it is. Uh, yes, it is. Um, but it's it's been quite the journey, yeah. and I wouldn't trade it for yeah, anything. Good for you. Yes. Okay, so we have, just to let you know, we've got about, uh, 48, what is that, uh, I guess about seven minutes? Eight minutes, something like that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just FYI. All right. Okay. Sheena Graham. Here we go. This piece is called The Creation Versus the Creator, and it's a response to James Weldon Johnson's The Creation. Man stepped away from his place, and he looked around and said, I'm not satisfied. I'll make me my own world. And as far as the eye could see, man desired more things, bigger and brighter than a diamond in the moonlight. And in these things, he placed his pride. Man smiled as the devil spoke, and thoughts of greed rolled up on one side, while envy stood spying on the other. And man said, this is good. Man reached out and took even more matters into his own defiled hands, abandoning the commandments God had given to man until he felt he was done, and he sat among his things, gathered up in his home where he was never alone, because having things births theft, deceit, and new darkness, which required more light to keep away the night. But man valued this world. Man said, this is good. Man stepped out on the solid ground beneath his feet, enjoying the sun, the moon, and the stars drifting silently above his head, and said, 
I control it all and stood more tall as he trod toward the valleys of wickedness, licentiousness, and slander, raising God's dander. But there he stopped, looked and saw that his world had lost some of its beauty. So he stepped further over the edge into the folly of adultery, and not even the words of Moses flashing in his mind helped at this time. Neither add to nor take away from the commandments of the Lord. To show wisdom and discernment, they must be diligently observed. To God, man spat words from his lips that never touched the tip of his heart. Murder became art. He batted his, he batted his eyes everywhere but within and applauded his own achievements. Even as the water of the earth dwindled down till less and less could be found. New dangers sprouted, and battles blossomed as man played possum, and pointed his finger to the sky, yelling, Why? God spread out his arms, and this time man wasn't harmed, and the rivers ran once more down to the sea, and man smiled again, <laughs> quite pleased, and said, This is good. And as sunshine reappeared dancing daintily around his ears and curled itself around his shoulder, man raised his arm and got even bolder inside. I'm in charge again. And quicker than man could drop his hand, disaster covered all the land. Fish, fowls, beasts, birds, and man became diseased, poisoned and contaminated like the rivers and the seas. Stunned, man hobbled around, and looked around on all that had made him glad, the fortress he lived in, all that he had, material things still glistening like the problems they caused. And then man finally, willfully thought, why am I not satisfied still? Then man fell down on his knees on the side of a road where there used to be trees so he could think. On his sore, swollen knees he fell down with his head on his hands, Man thought as he frowned of all he created that now stood in the way of the God, the creator, and all he had to say. Man thought of the Lord of all power, the Lord of all might, the author of the world and giver of all true light. By the side of the road on his sore swollen knees with his head on his hands, man cried out and said, please, please, dear God, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. As he curled into fetal comfort, he whispered, Let me be born again. Up from his world of affliction, God scooped up this man, and in the crystal clear river, he blessed him again. And the great God Almighty, who chose a tapestry of gold for the sun and placed it in a patient blue sky, who scattered the bright, delicate stars to their homes in the night, who shaped the earth, in the center of his smooth, firm hands, this great God, like a mother bending over her baby for the first time, kneeled down in the dust rejoicing over the lump of clay he had shaped in his own image that returned to him on this day. And then into him he blew the breath of fresh life, and man became born again. Amen. Amen. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank I you. love the syncopation of the writing. I mean, it's very, it's uh, prose and poetry at the same time, right? Yes, yes. Well, thank you again. Sheena Graham, uh, 
thank you for coming in and uh, making uh, uh, this day a little bit brighter. <laughs> and also I want to thank uh, Carolyn Vermont, uh, who was here with the uh, Habitat for Humanity, and also Pierre Tahiti uh, from Housatonic Community College. And this is uh, going to be, um, I guess, a kind of a wrap, but uh, we have a little bit of time left um, uh Talking about uh, gang poetry and your poetry of rhythm, just to set that up a little bit, um, just a couple words about about what you were what you are going to try to do in June. I know it's a little far off, but uh, you give us a little bit of uh, you've got about thirty seconds or so. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be working with the gang. Young people bring life yeah. to old people like me. <laughs> so, I hear you. Yeah. So together we kind of explore where we've come from and how it's affected us and where we're going. Right, right. Well, uh, we'll put everything up in the archives. If you miss something, go to WPCAN.org. Have a great week. And uh, hopefully some of you are going to come out to Bill T. Jones, Arnie Zane Dance Company at the Quick Center for the Arts this Saturday. True. The modern dance phenoms Bill T. Jones, Arnie Zane, and company are making a rare appearance at Fairfield County on Saturday, February 25th at the Quick Center for the Arts at Fairfield University. They will perform a benefit for nonprofit community radio WPKN. The dance performance begins at 7.30 p.m. Catered VIP pre-event begins at 6 p.m. Various individual and group ticket packages can be found at the box office or online at quickcenter.fairfield.edu. All ticket purchases will also support Bridgeport students from the FAME after-school program to have access to this performance. That's Bilty Jones Arnie Zane Dance Company on Saturday, February 25th in Fairfield at the Quick Center. WP can thanks lead sponsor Koskoff, Koskoff, and Beater, Miss Thelma Soul Food, Little Pub, Mianetto, as well as the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, Mocha Westport, and Connect Fairfield.